Good afternoon, everybody. This is your host, Isaac Murden, a.k.a. The Finisher. I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Shane Thrapp, an ADHD um, therapist and life coach. Good afternoon, Shane. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, man? How was your week? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh... Pretty good, huh? So for our listeners out there, I know um, mental health um has his um his biases but for our audience could you define based on your experience what is mental health uh, mental health is just essentially the same thing as physical health but for our brains and our brains are very complicated structures uh probably one of the most complicated uh organic structures on the planet um there's literally trillions of neurons firing off transmitters, uh, sending signals throughout our brain. There's different structures in the brain that have different um, aspects of what make us who we are. Uh, for a lot of people, if we uh, believe in the metaphysical, the, the brain is literally what would uh, our soul would reside in. It's our, our entire personality. It's every experience that we've experienced and every piece of genetic memory that we have as a species is is locked inside of there so if if one of those neurons are, are not activating and sparking like it's supposed to it could cause big issues emotionally and mentally huh yeah when you um when you look at something for example as my profession uh, an adhd life coach um, when you look at ADHD, um, our brains are structured differently, not just a, a couple of neurons uh, misfiring or anything like that. But, it, you know, we we have a different sort of uh, different shape and different size of prefrontal cortex, our, um, which is kind of your emotional uh, is like your, your logic, your day to day exercise, your day to day movement, um, you know, motivation, all of that kind of uh, fits in there. And then you have neurotransmitters like um, uh, dopamine um, and, and different chemicals that are in there like dopamine, which is like what gives people their reward system. If you do a good job, you get happy uh, meds from dopamine. Okay. And, uh, and just from that alone uh, with, uh, you know, just how those structures are in our brains makes our brains different from the neurotypical. Same thing for people with autism. Wow. You say get those happy feelings from the medication. They, you know, um, that's 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 important. How did you get to into doing the life coaching with the ADHD? How did that come about? Um, my son, my oldest son, was diagnosed uh, by his uh, school counselor and teacher. Uh, with having ADHD. Uh, they, they thought he had it. And I knew my ex-wife who was very anti, um, um, mental health, you know, she didn't okay. believe in medication for mental health. She didn't believe that ADHD was a big deal. And so I needed, I, I knew I needed to be there for him. And so I started studying ADHD you know, because I needed to know how to support him. What did he need? Did he need medication? Did he need um, um, something special from me? You know what I mean? What kind of support did he need? And the more I started reading about ADHD, the more I started realizing I had ADHD. Wow. Okay. And that and that kind of started the journey. I've been studying ADHD and mental health ever since then, and that's going on for ten years now. 
That's amazing. Through your research, you found out that you had ADHD in the process of you wanting to help your son. What did that mm-hmm. What did that feel like? What did that look like for you? You know, I, I think the, the first thing about it was learning about that it has a genetic component, right? ADHD isn't just like, a, um, like some sort of disease or anything like that. It's not it actually it's not a it's technically not a disorder. Um, it's a, you know, it's our brains are different and, and they're structured different. So they're meant to work differently. And with it having a genetic component, that kind of just like blew my mind because it, they like, you know, and then like kind of realizing I had ADHD, it explained so much of my life, right? People bouncing from job to job, me bouncing from job to job, you know, you know, ADHD people bouncing from relationship to relationship. I bounced from relationship to relationship. There were so many things about ADHD that like I figured out was a large number of the reasons why I had such a raging drug addiction, why I was constantly, you know, I had been homeless three times, you know, it was not like me being a problem. Right. Wasn't what I actually was dealing with. It was, it gave me the reason why I had such a hard time working within the societal structure that we have. So you talk about a little bit about your drug addiction. Um, how did you overcome that? Um, even with the, with the process of having ADHD, what was that like? You know, back when I was, um, 17, I, I blew my back out, you know, a classic football story, right? Um, um, star football player working out, doing something. And then all of a sudden massive injury, like derails their entire career. That was me. You know, I was, a, a I was, a, um, a, uh, lineman, you know, defensive offensive lineman for a, a fr- fairly decent, uh, um, football team in Texas and you know Texas right Texas is all about football they all about and, their football down there in Texas I tell you yeah and so I um I really I really thrived in that kind of environment uh for me like football being in the trenches and um everything slowed down for me my brain seemed to work in this way where I could see things happening in this like slow motion uh capacity um and but, you know, I was working out one day, uh, you know, I was working out with uh, seniors and I was a junior and uh, we, you know, we push each other, right? When you're weightlifting, you're, you're pushing each exactly. other. We were, and, uh, you know, the, you know, like the senior above me, he had, he had thrown down on 625 on deadlift. And I said, I can do that. And, and, you know, and, and everybody, and no, and, and here's the thing. My, like, my max was like 560 at the time, 575. So yeah, there. I could so do like, that. that. That That's yeah. not about nothing, right? Right. I got this. And so, I, and so I did it. And I, you know, the, the first one, and of course, like the entire uh, uh, weightlifting gym, because this is a lot of weight, by the way, guys. I don't know if y'all know this, like 17 years old and you're doing 625 is impressive as fuck. And I'm not going to sit here and bullshit nobody about it. But you know, I got it. I did it the first time. Pow! Popped it out. Chest everywhere. Mm, I was muscles, right? Wow. Dropped it down. Did it, and I said, "I can do it again." Popped it back up. Pow! And I and I felt something happen, right? And I, I dropped it. I said, "I can do it three times," and I bam nailed it. And I felt something pop in my lower back. And what had happened was I wound up uh, herniating three discs in my lower back, and. Uh, 
from there, um, I, I got put on oxycodone, you know, and, you know, I, w- I wound up having to have uh, surgery. Um, I couldn't, um, I couldn't go to, I lost my scholarships that I was going to get offered. I had a bunch of uh, different scouts looking at me from different uh, colleges in Texas and uh, Oklahoma. And I went through a huge funk, you know, because that was my life. Right. Exactly. And and so I went through, you know, senior year in high school, completely zoned out on oxycodone and 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 weed and. I graduated high school and my, and my doctor was still like here, you know, obviously you still need oxycodone. And so he just kept it, uh, giving it to me. And as I went through my entire age 18 on oxycodone and I went through a big chunk of my 19 on oxycodone and I, I started kind of dealing it to people cause I had like bottles and bottles of it. Exactly. And, um, you know, what got out, what got me out of it? Um, you know, I met a girl, you know what I mean? I met a girl and she and she had a, a really strong spirit and she had a really strong personality and she said, You have two choices. You can be with me or you can be with your drugs. And I chose her. Made that and, decision. That was easy, huh? Right. And with ADHD, that's kind of one of the things that you have to have is you have to have somebody who will hold you accountable and 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 keep you in line and give you those kind of um ultimatums. You know, you have to have an external reward system to get you to do something. And the reward system that she gave me was herself. Like she would stay with me and I was really into her. I was really into who she was. I really enjoyed being around her, you know, and um, that's that's how our brains work. We have to have external stimuli to sit here and get us to be able to hold ourselves accountable because we don't get that reward system like other people do uh, get whenever they do something that they were proud of. Right. We don't get that. Uh, It doesn't work for us that way. So the external reward systems is something outside of the norm for individual that has ADHD. Yeah. Cause you look at our statistics uh, like throughout our lives, right. Uh, By the age of 10, the, 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 the external stimuli that we're getting is a negative, right? Because by the age of 10, we're getting 20,000 more criticisms laid against us than your average neurotypical kid. You know, we hear those things like, why can't you act like so-and-so? Why can't you be this way? Why can't you do the things like this? Why aren't you living up to your potential? Uh, why do you have to be such a little asshole? Why do you have to be such a badass? Exactly. That little kid's, that little kid's an asshole. You know, he's a little badass. Nobody uh, wants to be around him. Uh, my dad's favorite was, you're the dumbest smart kid I've ever seen. <laughs> you know? And so... And so we deal with these and, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, I dealt with that too. That's cool. But when you have ADHD, you remember earlier I said our brain structure is different. Um, one of the things that happens with ADHD is emotional dysregulation. And part of that is, is we feel pain more. We feel all the emotions more, right? We feel everything more. Right, we're four times more likely to develop PTSD. We're uh, uh, six times more likely to develop uh, depression or bipolar or, or other comorbidities, and you know that's because we feel things more. And so, when you criticize us, we internalize it. Okay. And when we internalize that, we start then applying it to ourselves, 
And if we keep hearing it over and over and over and over again through the people who are around us, the teachers, the parents, the, uh, the, the, the peers, the, um, all of these authority figures who are over us, if we keep hearing this, we start internalizing that. And for us, it starts to develop these psychoses where we, again, we develop depression more, we develop bipolar disorder more, we develop things called rejection sensitivity dysphoria and imposter syndrome like feeding us that negativity gives these uh, issues um, the ammunition for us to then start abusing ourselves. Negative self-talk, negative uh, self-image, negative uh, uh, opinions that we, you know, are not ever going to be able to achieve anything. And so then we start uh, start hunting for perfectionism. We 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 like drive ourselves to find to be perfect. And then uh, since there's nothing, no such thing as perfect, we don't ever find it. And we're constantly sad and down. That's, that's, that's amazing, man. Um, when you, through your, you know, through your study and through your education, um, how many people just offhand are misdiagnosed? Misdiagnosed? Yes. Man, that's a, that's a hard one right there because... When you look at ADHD in adults, right? Let's let's back up a little bit. When you look at ADHD in kids, right? Um, we see a lot of uh, Caucasian kids being diagnosed with ADHD, right? We see a lot of them. In fact, we almost it's uh, it's uh, there's a study that was just uh, recently starting to be promoted that we're seeing that uh, white male boys are being overdiagnosed with ADHD. Okay. And we see a huge disparity in um, people of color's uh, children. You know, we, we see um, that African-American, Hispanic, and, you know, um, different races all have these, like Native Americans, all have, like, similar rates of ADHD. But in the case of, like, African-Americans... 69% less diagnosis of ADHD, right? Uh, with uh, Hispanics, there's a 50% less likely of diagnosis of ADHD, even though we see across children a very similar uh, statistical range of kids who have ADHD. Wow. And, when we start changing that into adulthood, we see things happening uh, very similarly, right? African-American adults are less likely to have insurance, more likely to live in a poverty uh, state, and uh, Hispanics similarly so. And they don't have access to health care, so they can't get a diagnosis. They go to a general practitioner who sits there and says, you have depression. You have bipolar disorder. Right. They don't have access to a psychiatrist. You know, they don't have access to a therapist. They don't have access to these resources. And so these doctors who do diagnose them, diagnose them with things that they know, because your average general practitioner doesn't even really learn about adult ADHD in uh, medical school. They may spend a month on it in most schools. You know, unless you're a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a pediatric, uh, pediatric 
pediatric doctor. I can speak English. Um, unless you're going into neurobiology, neurochemistry, or, or things with the brain, you don't really learn a lot about ADHD. And so when somebody comes to you and they say, you know, there's something wrong and they start describing these symptoms, you know, because people with ADHD often have comorbidities, the, right. the, 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 the symptoms that they describe, that doctor says, okay, it sounds like you have depression. Here's some depression medications. You know, it sounds like you have bipolar disorder. Here's some bipolar uh, medications. And that doesn't, that doesn't treat the problem. Now, exact numbers, it's really hard to tell you that much. You know, we can sit here and, and, you know, look at what it looks like with kids. And the likelihood of it happening in adults is, is, is just as significant, uh, or if not more so, because doctors, a lot of doctors don't really understand how prevalent adult ADHD is. You said it mouthful there. Uh, me working in a correctional facility, I see that all the time. Um, many of our guys come in, I interview them, we do an overview. 70% of them has been diagnosed with some type of mental health illness. 60% of them will say, um, I'm currently not taking any medications. Mm-hmm. But on the back end of that, we have a severe alcohol and a substance abuse issue. So they come... You know, they, they become incarcerated and then we ask them to detox. And then they see the general practitioner and the practitioner is, like you said, is diagnosing them with depression or anxiety or bipolar and really not getting down to the root of the real issue. And that's a problem. Yeah. And here's the thing. They may have bipolar disorder. They may have depression. They may have um, anxiety because, again, those are common comorbidities with ADHD. However, if you have ADHD and one of those comorbidities, you have to treat it differently. Because if you give a person with uh, ADHD SSRI depression medication, it can cause psychosis. You know, if you and especially if you're not giving them the medication they need for their ADHD and giving them the therapy that they need and the building the support structure that they need for ADHD, right? If you're not doing these things and you're just putting medicine in them, they're not learning the skills that they need to be able to process their emotions in healthy ways. Because that's the thing about ADHD. ADHD requires a holistic methodology of treatment. It's not just medication. You have to have medication that is accurate for the diagnosis that you actually have. It has to have therapy because we, as kids, we don't learn how to process our emotions accurate, uh, well enough, right? We have all these angry emotions, all these sad emotions, all these anxieties, all these frustrations and stress, and we never learn how to process them because we're never, we, we weren't diagnosed as kids because we got missed. Exactly. Right? And when we push ourselves to try to be like normal people, right, the neurotypical people, then we, we keep piling this stuff on us and we internalize it. But then we find other people who are kind of on the outside of it, right? We find other people who are kind of, you know, different, right? And we start to build these tribes and we start to find this acceptance in, in these in, with these people that we do find our, our, ourselves around. And the thing is, is we... We crave that acceptance, and sometimes those those 
those people aren't savory people. Those people aren't healthy for us. Those people are willing to use us to 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 get their ends met. So we wind up in abusive uh, relationships. We wind up in um, gangs. We wind up in the military. We wind up in different situations where we actually thrive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. But but we don't. We, it's unhealthy. It's an unhe- and it's an it's an unhealthy thriving. It's an unhealthy environment for us to be in, and so since we don't learn all that stuff in healthy ways, we wind up learning it in unhealthy ways. So we have to have therapy involved so that we can process all that stuff that we that we've learned in the past: the trauma, the um, negativity, the rage, the anger, the um, the willingness to harm people, the willingness to hurt people, right? We have to we have to learn how to process all of that in healthy ways, and finally, we have to have that support structure. We have to have positive encouragement. We have to have people who are willing to help us hold be held accountable for the things that we do, that give us the external stimuli that we need to be able to be ac- accountable. Because again, we don't have the internal stimuli to do that unless we have a sufficient enough uh, um, system of dopamine being given to us, medication and uh, learning how to exercise and take care of ourselves and being in the sunlight and all of these different things. But what do we actually do to those guys that you're talking about? We, we put them in an environment of violence and, exactly. uh, and we put them in an environment where they're stuck behind uh, doors and walls and they never see sunlight. We give them the medication that we think may work for them, but actually may be de- uh, developing more and more psychosis. We put them in an environment where they have to thrive on violence or defending themselves. So we make their uh, PTSD and anxieties worse. And then whenever we get them, let them out, we just like, hey, go try to be uh, good boys and girls. Go That's try fine. to be normal for once in your life. And, and, and we all know the outcome of that. Mm-hmm. I loved it because uh, there's a there's a video out there of Mike Tyson talking about um, the most peaceful time he had in his life was the three years that he spent in prison. And of course, the, like the people are like, "What? What are you talking about?" He was like, "Structure, man. There was structure. I didn't have to do anything. I ha- I was told what to do. I was able to defend. You know, I didn't have to worry about people messing with me because they knew who I was, and I had structure." And I had peace. I could just read. Right? And so then, so the people who have been in that kind of environment, they, they need that structure. Even though there's the negatives, right? They still need that structure. You said a mouthful. You said a mouthful because um, I, see it, I see it every day. Um, healthy support system. Finding a great therapist. And being able to be on the proper medications, along with exercise, sunlight, and peace of mind. You know, that's not a lot, but for an individual that has that diagnosis, that can be very detrimental, you know, if they don't put those things in place. And unfortunately, our guys that's caught up in the criminal justice system, you know, like, you know, like myself, when they leave out here, they don't have the supportive network they should have many of them are going back to the same neighborhoods to do the same thing so like you were just talking about you know they thrive in that environment Mm -hmm. and what happens with their diagnosis they just get worse 
and they just get worse and they continue to um, deteriorate over over a period of time because I, I see it often. Mm-hmm. Shane, this was a great conversation. Man, tell our guests how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, you can find me on most of the social media under Creating Order from Chaos Coaching or just Creating Order from Chaos. Uh, you can find me on my website, www.creatingorderfromchaos.com. And, uh, you know, just look me up if you have questions about ADHD. This is my life, and I am here to help people. Shane, we most definitely, I got to have you back on this show because you just you just scratching the surface with ADHD yeah. with all the other diagnoses that are out there and that's being mis- mis- misdiagnosed. And I most definitely got a, um, I got an education today. And I want to really, really thank you today for taking your time out, your busy schedule to come on my show because you could have been anywhere in the world, man, but you decided to stop by and hang out with your guy like myself, man. And I most definitely really, really appreciate it. Hey, Shane, if ain't nobody tell you they love you today, man, I love you, man. Thanks for being love on the too, show. Brother. Peace.